Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast brought to you by Hiscox. Today, we're turning the tables while interviewing the host of this show, Sanjay Parikh. But who am I? I'm Adam Walker. You may be used to hearing my voice during the mid-roll ad, but I'm also Sanjay's colleague, co-founder, and friend. We've known each other for a few years, and we host a weekly podcast together called Tech Talk Y'all. Now, we usually think of Sanjay as the question asker on this show. But in this episode, he'll be answering the questions as we hear more about his entrepreneurial journey, what he's learned and where he's going. So Sanjay, welcome to your own show. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it's it's kind of weird being on the other side of it, but uh, this will be fun. Well, man, this is gonna be great. So uh, I think in all the years we've known each other, you know, we've hosted Tech Talk Y'all together for four years, uh, which by the way, is a, is a, a, a news, a tech news comedy podcast. Um, but we, I've never interviewed you, so this is going to be really fantastic. So let's let's start with the what the way we normally start. Give us your one minute flyover. Who are you, and what are you about, man? Yeah. Uh, so uh, as listeners know, my name's Sanjay Park. Um, I'm born and raised from Kentucky. Uh, that's uh, where I kind of grew up. Uh, live in Atlanta now. Uh, have lived in Atlanta since uh, the late '80s. Uh, Georgia Tech grad. Uh, went to school for electrical engineering. Uh, started working for a little bit after that, and then started my first company. Uh, came up with the idea in '99. Uh, left my job in 2000 and went full time. And uh, basically, ever since then, I've been just all about the entrepreneurship and startups and doing fun stuff. It's uh, it's been nonstop ever since then. All right. Well, uh, well, two things. Uh, first of all, go Jackets because I'm a, a tech guy as well. And uh, secondly, let's talk about the first business that you started. Uh, how did you get the idea? Were you working full-time at the at the time? And sort of what was that transition like for you? Well, I mean, if we're going to talk first business, that was probably when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, thinking back, like I, I always like to talk about the, those early, early things. And I know previously on the podcast, I've talked about that candy arbitrage that a lot of entrepreneurs do, right? They buy candy bars at the convenience store, sell it to their friends and, and classmates in school with a markup and, and you make money that way. That was probably not my first time actually doing something like that. Uh, a long, long time ago, back in, com- in in those days in comic books, they used to have ads back there that would tell you like, hey, kids, do you, do you want to make money or earn prizes? They don't right. actually tell you what you're going to do. Uh, so I was like, yeah, sure. And I, I, I unfortunately ripped up a comic book and, and set that in. Um, what it turns out I was doing was selling custom imprinted holiday cards door to door. <laughs> and so my neighborhood was about 400 <laughs> homes and I would sell to them. And it wasn't so bad when you were doing the orders, when you got all those orders fulfilled and you had to deliver them, man, that, that was kind of a beast. Uh, but, you know, thinking through that, I actually realized like, well, if I'm already going to all of the houses, I should do other things as well at the same time. So I signed up right. and became a delivery uh, person for thrifty nickel newspapers, which were these free classified newspapers. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I think I, I think I got like a couple of cents per, or maybe it was a nickel per, I don't remember now. <laughs> but, you know, I was already going to the 400 houses to sell them holiday cards. I might as well deliver a free newspaper at the same time and make- I, I love that you were so. like, I mean, it, not really, but like double dipping. Like, it's like, I'm going to get the most bang for my my walking buck as I can. Let me Absolutely. just make money in two hours. Like, it's like multiple sales channels as a kid. That's Brilliant, but but let but so let's get past that. And I know you did the the candy bar stuff too. But like, what's the first business business that you started? And tell me about that transition. Yeah. So the first business business was uh, in the dot com days. So it was the late nineties okay. um, when I was in school at Georgia Tech. 
that was really at the beginning of, of kind of the public internet. We had access to the internet um, in the 90s when I was at Georgia Tech and I got online and met a lot of people, but that was before web browsers were a thing. But while I was at Georgia Tech, web browsers came up and then, you know, the access to the internet happened. And so saw kind of this transition happen and, and things happening. And, you know, I I didn't think about it. I, I went and got a job, you know, like a good engineer and started working at a, a very early stage company. Uh, but at some point there, I, I started getting restless and I, I realized I was kind of tapping out. I wasn't learning anything anymore. Uh, I was the one that people came to with questions. I didn't really have questions to ask anybody because I knew all the things I needed to know to, to do my job. And so one night, I uh, it was March 17th, 99. Uh, you remember those days. I was at home and I hit the FedEx and the IKEA website. And the first thing that both sites ask you is what country you're in. And I thought that was the dumbest thing because when you go to the store, you know, like they know and you know where you are. They don't ask you like, hey, are you going to use English in dollars when you're in the U.S.? Like that's that's obvious, <laughs> right. right? Yeah. So right, yeah. why would we not do that on the Internet? So that night I kind of architected the solution to that problem of how to fix that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the next day I went in and uh, one of the guys that I'd been bouncing ideas off of back and forth happened to be the general counsel of the company. Um, so the sole lawyer that was at that company, we talking ideas and, and I told him this idea of like, I think we could figure out a way to let people know where somebody is based on their IP address. And right. his first response was, well, um, either it's impossible to do or somebody else has done it. Like that sounds like too, too obvious of an idea. And right. so we, we talked to his brother who was a West coast guy and, and some of his friends and they all said, yeah, it's possible to do. It's a great idea. And we don't know anybody that's doing it. Um, and this is definitely worth something. So that's basically how it all started. Uh, I started writing a patent application right away, and that's a, a function of having a lawyer as your co-founder. Uh, mm. They push you into doing that. That was painful. It took me months and months to, to kind of perfect that. Um, and then uh, the rest of the, uh, 99 was basically doing two jobs. Uh, at night, working on code um, and trying to figure this all out. Uh, and then during the day, I would be, you know, in in body, maybe not in mind at work, um, you know, working yeah. for that uh, thing. And then at the end of 99, I uh, ended up taking a three-week vacation to India. We had a bunch of weddings to go to, and that was a good time for me to take a break. We were actually fundraising at that point uh, with the goal of raising a million dollars. We ended up raising a million and a half. Uh, but that was my time to take a step back, be away from everything, and kind of contemplate what I wanted to do. And if I wanted to quit my job and mm. and kind of go all in. And and I came to the decision that if by the time I got back, we had at least a half a million dollars, I was going to quit on that first working day of 2000 um, and go all in. And, and my, my calculation was if, uh, you know, even if everything went wrong, like we had enough money that I would be okay for a while and then I could just go find another job. So right. yeah. that's how it all yeah. happened. Oh man, I mean that's some good math right there. Like that, you have enough money to you got some runway, right? You wanted some runway, so got some personal runway. The company could pay me for a little bit, and so, I could move on. I, I just want to make sure that I call this out to visitors. So what you're, what I think I'm hearing you say, just want to be sure, is that you invented IP address geolocation, and that was your first company. Is that I just want to be? That's what you're saying, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. So I was the one that invented that. So when you get ads targeted to you based on your location, um, when you are not allowed to see the video that you want to watch on a streaming service, it's probably my technology. Um, most of the major sites uh, use it. Now, before listeners get mad at me, I got to say, 
Without this technology, your favorite streaming service would not be possible online because they would not have the access and ability to negotiate those contracts to get that content to be able to even stream it online because all of those folks require geographical limitations on that content. And so you're welcome, even though you're upset at me, you're still welcome. Nobody's really upset at you. I think we're all just impressed at this point. So, all right. So, so then you, you started the company. It was IP address geolocation. You're no longer at that company. So I presume there was an exit or of some sort. Can you just kind of give us the details or at least some details about that? Yeah. So I, I was there for a good while. Um, we, like I said, we raised a million and a half at the end of 99, beginning of 2000. Uh, then in July, 2001, uh, we raised $10.5 million um, to further accelerate the company. Uh, I stuck around until 2005. Uh, I got tired. Uh, this was, you know, many years in at this point and I needed a break from working. So I decided to take a break, uh, stop working full time. I stayed on the board of Digital Envoy. Digital Envoy is the name of the company. Uh, I stayed on the board, um, but I took a year off and did a one-year MBA at Emory. And then uh, after I graduated in 2006 from Emory, uh, I did some consulting work and whatnot um, stayed on the board. We ended up exiting and selling the company in 2007. Um, and uh, both of my, I had two co-founders. Both of them stuck around through the exit. One stayed around for a few more years and then left. And then the other one actually just left. I think he's still involved, but he wow. left his full-time role uh, at the company. Like, yeah, 22 years later. Wow. Um, from working full-time. I, I, I can't even wrap my head around being at the same place for 22 years. It's, it's incredible. That is, that is wild. So, all right. So that's, that's pretty amazing. So you did that. And, and I know that now you're also involved. You talked about fundraising. You're, you're involved on the funding side of things. And I'm, I'm curious, like how has investing in entrepreneurs and side hustles changed your perspective? Sort of what have you learned through that process? Yeah. So, you know, I learned a lot from Digital Envoy in those early days. And I learned um, and I'm not going to name the VCs, but uh, I learned what kind of investor I didn't want to be because of the treatment that I sometimes got from some of the investors that I did have um, as VCs. And so, you know, I decided when I started investing that even though I was going to be an investor and I had uh, this kind of, you know, responsibility or, or I guess duty as an investor uh, to to my own investment and my financial outcome, that my interest is going to be aligned with the entrepreneur. Because I strongly believe that if you align, as an investor, if you align with the entrepreneur and do whatever you can to make them successful, then you know in the end, you should be fine as an investor, right? Maybe you don't maximize and optimize every single dollar, but you don't really need to uh, as an investor. I, I don't think, I, I look at the long game for that. And if you increase the odds of the entrepreneur being successful, you're increasing the odds of your investment being successful as well, right? And right, so exactly. the whole ship rises, right? And 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 sometimes, look, sometimes there are factors outside of the control of the entrepreneur where they're just not going to be successful. And I've had mm. that with a number of my investments. And I have told a number of those that, look, whenever you're ready to go and do this again, I am back to be an investor in you because I saw how you acted. I saw you were honorable. I saw you tried to do the right thing. Sometimes it just doesn't work out and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. And you and I have talked about investing before and you've also talked about how a lot of times you're investing more in the entrepreneur than mm -hmm. in the business itself, sort of sort of betting on them as a person. I mean, can you talk a little yeah. bit more about that as well? Yeah, I mean, it is exactly that. And it's funny because a lot of investors will stick to what they know 
Like, look, I only know software as a service. So I only invest in that. Or I only know, you know, NFTs and, and crypto stuff. So I only invest in that. I, I am not that. I invest mm. in whatever vertical market it, that comes along. If I find a founder that has a compelling idea and story and can explain to me the market and what they're going after and what they're trying to accomplish, and I end up taking a shine to the 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 founder and I like them as human beings, then I'm in. Um, that said, I, I don't know if a lot of these founders should take my money because I can't really help them beyond the money uh, for some of these because I, I don't know much about their industry. I end up learning with them uh, and then I end up helping them with connections along the way of whatever I can. But you know, if you're in some super niche industry that I don't know anything about, I'm not going to have connections there and I'm not going to be that useful. But and I tell entrepreneurs that, but still they take my money, which, you know, is fine. I, I, I appreciate being able to go on the ride with them. Entrepreneurs are always uh, good about taking people's money uh, to to further the cause. Well, I, they should be careful, though. I, I think they should always be careful and they should um, understand who they're taking money from. I tell entrepreneurs all a lot of times, a lot of times they won't ask me for references, but I've got a list of entrepreneurs that I've invested in that from a long time ago, from recently, from successes, from failures. And I tell them that you should call these people and make sure that I am the kind of investor you want um, mm. along with you for the ride. Yeah. All right. So Sanjay, I know you're involved in, in organizations that bring entrepreneurs together and you're you're very involved. I mean, kind of with entrepreneurs in general, with coaching and all that kind of stuff. So, so really two questions related to that. Number one, um, why are you involved in those organizations? <laughs> and number two, when you're talking to entrepreneurs, is there any like specific piece of advice that sort of always jumps out as like a starting point with a, a new entrepreneur that you're speaking with? Yeah. Uh, so why the organizations? So I, so I do definitely get involved with entrepreneurship organizations, but I also get involved specifically in organizations where entrepreneurs generally are not involved. Mm. Um, you know, I particularly, I like to be in a room where nobody else is like me because I feel like that's an opportunity to learn from people that are not like you, uh, as well as explain what it is that you do, right? Like a lot of these folks that may not have access or exposure to entrepreneurs, all they understand about what's happening in startups is what they read, right? And, and what they read in stories is not always the truth of what actually happens. There's so many stories that are just never told, right? We hear about the horrific failures and we hear about the tremendous successes, but the vast majority, the 90% is, is just never covered there. And mm -hmm. so I think it's, it's a good opportunity for that. So I, you know, I get excited by that. So by extension, I get excited by helping entrepreneurs as well, because like we just talked about getting involved in somebody's business where they're working in a market that, you know, or you don't know, you end up learning so much about that market that I think it just makes you better as a, as a human being, as a person, as well as better as a founder and an entrepreneur in your own thing in the future. Mm. Um, so okay. that's, that's the reason why for that. Now I already forgot your second question. So the second question is what, like when you're talking to a new entrepreneur, uh, what's kind of, what's your first piece of advice typically, or kind of your starting point to sort of, you know, give them some direction. Yeah. So it, it depends on who the entrepreneur is and where they're mm -hmm. at in terms of their stage. I end up talking a lot, a lot, about uh, taxes, if you can believe it. So there, there's there's a couple of uh, tax uh, uh, sections that really apply to startups and and you, like your ownership in startups, and not just for entrepreneurs, but also for investors that can have very beneficial outcomes 
at the end of it. So I'll, I'll just name the two. We won't go into detail here, but uh, if listeners uh, care, it's section 1202 of the tax code. And you can search up and, and search for a qualified small business stock, QSBS, and section 1045. So that's uh, if you have section 1202 stock that's not uh, fully tax deductible uh, or tax-free yet, you can actually roll over uh, that money into a new company and keep going. So uh, it's a great way to kind of expand your kind of outcomes, your financial outcomes from investing or being a founder. Mm, that's great. All right. So shifting gears just a little bit, you sort of started your first company, you know, 99.com bubble, lots of stuff happening, the 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 birth of the internet in so many ways. It's it's 2022. We have a, a more, I think a more mature internet in a sense, in some, in some ways. Uh, how has entrepreneurship changed over that time? Is it harder? Is it easier? Is it more complicated? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's just different. Uh, okay. I think entrepreneurship is always hard. I think it's uh, like we just talked about, like 90% of the stories are not told. And a lot of people fail and a, a lot of it's a struggle. The The people that are just, that are not in the industry that are just reading about it, their view is probably like, oh, it's just all, you know, ponies and ice cream. It's, it's all fun and it's it's all great and it's all easy, right? But it's not, it's, it's so much hard work and nobody wants to be with you when you're in the valley of sorrow. Everybody wants to be with you uh, when you're on the, the peak of the mountain and it's all celebrating and there's money going around. Like, you know, if you ever saw that video when uh, Dr. Dre was selling beats to Apple and they were partying and everything, and that lost, that cost them a couple hundred million dollars because they did that before the deal was announced. Um, but it's easy to get everybody to hang out with you when when things are good. It's, it's a lot harder to get people to hang out with you when things are bad. Um, so I, I think that that part has changed. When you're talking about tech specifically, I think it's gotten a lot easier in terms of being able to spin up hardware. Like I remember for my first startup, I was buying servers. I was rack mounting them myself yeah. into a 19 inch yeah. rack in our office. Um, I mean, like I've, I haven't touched a rack mount server in a long time at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So things like that have gotten a lot easier, but I think those come along with things that have made it harder. Right. Mm, so it, yeah. it's not like it, things have just gotten easier and, and now everything's just all ponies. Um, it's, it's not that way. Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox, committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, the business insurance experts. All right. So I know currently you're involved in a number of startups. I mean, you and I have got some startups together right now that we're, we're working on, but but I want to talk about your first physical product startup for a minute. I know it's brand new. I think uh, I think first product just shipped, if I'm not mistaken. Like, give us the overview. What is it? Why are you doing it? What's the whole yeah. deal? Yeah. So I, it's funny because I think some of the inspiration of being able to do this has come from hosting this podcast and, mm. and talking to so many people doing side hustles. Uh, yeah. And so part of it was like, you know, if I'm going to host a podcast about side hustles, I should probably do a side hustle and, and start something new. But um, really the idea came from, uh, we, we were, you know, moving some stuff around and I happened to have some gift wrap paper in my hand. And I mm. started thinking about gift wrap paper, I, which is, I know a weird thing to think about, but I'm very particular. I mean, people um, pontificate on it, you know, it's, a, it's a I, I know right? it, yeah. it happens, but, 
Um, I'm very particular about my gift wrap paper. And, and unfortunately, I haven't been able to hit all these metrics with this, but um, I don't like gift wrap paper that's thin because it rips when you're wrapping a, a gift. Uh, I don't like gift wrap paper that has glitter on it because that gets everywhere. And I feel like I'm finding glitter for days on end afterwards. And then I really like the gift wrap paper that has a grid on the back of it because I cannot cut a straight line to save my life. And so that's great. So I started thinking about gift wrap paper and how I've never seen cultural holiday gift wrap paper. So I decided to go online and search for Diwali holiday paper. So the Indian holiday of Diwali uh, is usually near the end of the year. Uh, it's in October this year. And a lot of people, at least here in the U.S., end up giving gifts to, to kids and whatnot. And I'd never seen holiday paper for that. And so I, I searched, I couldn't find it. And I said, well, I mean, how hard could it be? Uh, famous right. last words. <laughs> That's the it's pretty hard. mantra. How hard can yeah. it be? <laughs> It is pretty hard. And so I decided to actually merge some of my loves because I also find a lot of gift wrap paper is artistically uninspired is, mm. is probably the kindest way I can say. So yeah. I decided like, let me find an artist to design this, but let yeah. me not just find any artist. Let me find an artist in the country of origin of this holiday. So let me find an artist oh, in that. India yep. to do this. And then what we're going to do is have this artist design it. We're going to develop and, and produce it and sell it. And then we're going to take a percentage of profits and give that back to the artist so that they benefit, but mm. then also take another percentage of profits and give it back to a charity that serves the country of origin of the holiday we're, we're supporting. I love that. And, yeah. And celebrating. So we went through all of this. I found an artist out of Bangalore. Her name is, is uh, Kashmira Sarod. So she designed our first gift wrap paper for Diwali. It's available for sale. And uh, we're in the process now. We're going to keep sales open until I think the end of September because okay. Diwali is uh, kind of mid to late October. And so mm -hmm. I feel like we can get everybody their, their gift wrap paper before Diwali hits. Uh, but the idea is, is it's also going to be limited edition. So if you don't buy it this year, that's it. We're never going to produce this design again. Yeah. It's, it's a one and done type of thing. Right. And so we're actually like moving forward where we've already gotten people pushing us to do other holidays. And so we've now hired a artist out of Tel Aviv to do a Hanukkah gift wrap paper. And then we actually already have ideas for gift wrap paper happening next year. Um, Man, so the I site, love and the, the, the name of the company is Occasional Wraps um, because it's different occasions and you do it every so often. So Occasional Wraps, W-R-A-P-S. Yeah, I love, and I've already bought a roll. So I'm very excited about this. This is going to be great. I'll be able to assess the quality of this paper and, you know, do some Instagram yeah. posts. It's going to be awesome. I will so. tell you, there is no grid on the back. We weren't able to get that figured out this time around, but in the future, we're going to do that too. All right. Well, listen, Sanjay, I'm going to wrap this up, but I want, I want to ask you one final question and maybe the most important question of this whole conversation. So what one piece of advice would you give to someone that wants to start their own business or their own side hustle? start today. And, mm -hmm. and if you could start yesterday, but it, unless your uh, startup is a time machine thing, uh, it's got to be start today. Uh, I, I see what, why too many that? people. I, I see too many people that, that kind of just keep dreaming and never start executing. Um, I, I think that's the difference between an entrepreneur and, you know, a, a dreamer and an entrepreneur really, right? Like an entrepreneur will come up with the idea and then start executing on it. And, and I will freely admit I'm a lot better with coming up with the ideas and figuring it all out than the execution part of it. Um, right now with occasional wraps, I'm doing all the execution of it and it's it's tedious and it's painful. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And as an entrepreneur, I think you need to do that, uh, you know, at least for some portion of it. And so if listeners are thinking about doing something, just do it. Just take the first step. Uh, we've had guests on this podcast say the same thing. Take the first step, buy the domain name, you know, contact somebody, talk to them about it, figure out, you know, what it is that you're trying to do and, and how to do something to mm. get yourself moving. That's right. I mean, that's that you got to start somewhere. Might as well start here and, and, and start, might as well start today. Everybody had a first time at some point. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Everybody's got a first time. Uh, man, this has been amazing. Uh, I really appreciate you kind of sharing your world with us. Thank you for letting me sit in the host chair for the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast. It's been so great. And uh, thanks for just letting me join the show today. I, I think we might have a new host now. Oh, I don't know about all that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast, powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business through intelligent insurance solutions, visit hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Parikh. You can find me on Twitter at, at Sanjay, that's S-A-N-J-A-Y, or on my website at sanjayparikh.com. <laughs>